This is Food First Michigan on 760 WJR. Sponsored by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food secure state, and by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan. Now here are your hosts, Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome everyone and thanks for listening. Do you know that Kids Count? Kids Count is a product of the Michigan League for Public Policy that helps define reality of what life is like for children in and across Michigan today. Since 1992, the Michigan League for Public Policy has done the work, along with their many partners, to attempt to understand what reality is like for our kids. Kids count. You bet they do. And if you are a small business owner ready to make your next hire, a company in need of a person gifted in the skills trade, a school needing math and science teachers, a larger company needing highly motivated young people, or if you are just a resident who loves Michigan and is concerned about our brain drain and growing our population over the next couple of decades, then listen up, because this show is for you. Policy that helps our kids achieve, develop, grow, and learn to become the best of all of us is the topic on Food First Michigan today with our superstar guests, Monique Stanton and Ann Kunin of the Michigan League for Public Policy. Monique and Ann join Jerry and me next for some wonky but extremely practical policy ideas that can help shape Michigan's future. Welcome back, everyone. As promised, Jerry Brisson is here in our WJR studio. Jerry, great to see you, as always. Always a pleasure. And let me just say, the studio looks 10 times better today than usual. But you can take it from there. Thank you, Jerry. I appreciate that. Although, you do have a nice sport coat on. So, (laughs) as promised, folks, our uh, superstar guests today are Monique Stanton, who is the CEO and president for the Michigan League for Public Policy. And, Anne, I'm... uh, you're the kids count guru is I, I, I'm probably that's not on your 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 business card but Ann Kunin is with us today and uh, we're going to talk about as I promised in the monologue the kids count but before we do that Monique uh, welcome back to the show okay. and reintroduce yourself sure. Great. to thanks our for, audience. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm the president and CEO at the Michigan League for Public Policy. The League is a 111-year organization that has been focused on improving the health, the economic security, uh, economic justice, well-being of children, adults, and families in Michigan. We're home to Kids Count, which is our annual profile about the health and well-being of kids, families, and young adults in our state. That's awesome. Well, welcome back to the show. We were able to be together with Paula Cunningham Mm -hmm. for a segment up at the policy conference on Mackinac Island. Mm -hmm. And uh, you were so great at that segment that we had to have you back. Anytime. Yeah, we appreciate it. So thank you. And welcome to the Fisher Building and WJR and Food First Michigan. And please introduce yourself. Yeah. Hi, I'm Ann Kunin. I'm the Kids Count Policy Director at the League. So Kids Count is part of a national network. Um, we exist in every state. And at, uh, in Michigan, we collect data on kids at the state and local level. Awesome. Well, we're here to talk about Kids Count today. And one of the things I love about y'all, y'all's efforts in this 
in this uh, in the study and the research is that it truly defines reality of what life is like for kids in Michigan. So Monique, let me just throw that over to you and say, how did this start and and why does it matter? So it's part of a national, as Ann said, a national effort, and we recognize that we can't make good policy decisions unless we have good data. That's that's where policy needs to start. And so it's an annual profile rooted in data, sound data from a variety of national and, and statewide sources to talk about what's going on in the lives of kids. Uh, this year's data book was especially important because we're starting to see the overall impacts of COVID and some of the really positive uh, federal investments mm-hmm. that we made had positive impacts on COVID. And what we've started, unfortunately, to see is some of these go away. We're starting to see upticks in food insecurity, more than a doubling of child poverty with the with the elimination of that expanded child federal tax credit. So we know if we want to do better by kids, we can make better policy decisions. That's awesome. So let's let's drive that right down into an example that anybody could understand. So you say we have data that helps us make good policy. Just take that into a so we saw this and it meant that. And because it meant that, we were able to tell this story and that story created this new reality. I mean, help give us an example to really put the rubber to the road here. Yeah, so I think probably the best example of that is with the federal child tax credit that Monique mentioned. So the federal child tax credit has been around for many years, but in 2021, it was temporarily increased and it was temporarily expanded to reach more kids who are typically left out of the full credit because their families earn too little. So in 2021, every kid is receiving the child tax credit um, and child poverty fell to historic lows. And um, we've already seen, because new data just came out this uh, past month in September, that shows that the poverty rate, the child poverty rate has already more than doubled since that policy came to an end. Okay, so how much money are we talking about per child? Um, So in 2021, kids were receiving $3,000 or $3,600 for um, children under the age of six. Okay, so a family that gets that money, right, a household that gets that money, can make choices about what kinds of things they can have that they can't make now because that benefit went away. So so here's a, here, I'm gonna zing one at you, are you ready? So when we say that it makes a difference, we know it makes a difference for a family who's getting that extra money. How does it make a difference for the whole community? Yeah, I mean, so families are spending that money, um, you know, directly in their local communities at local businesses. They're buying diapers. They're getting their cars repaired. They're um, being they're able to take their kids to a child care provider in their neighborhood. So it's not just kids who benefit. It's really both the whole family, the whole community and, in fact, the whole state. Perfect. And I think that's where policy lives and breathes is in there right it's in these spaces that the whole community benefits even though we often talk about money it's never about money right it's about the difference it makes in people's lives and not just the lives of the people who get the money but everyone else's life too and that's where everything comes together when you know i think of the word league Mm -hmm. right that's a lot of people right Mm -hmm. it's a lot of people who have an interest Mm -hmm. well my interest might not be in kids getting more money but it might be in, I sold more 
from my, you know, drugstore, right? It may be that that's my interest, but when you start putting those interests together, you get the power of making policies that change people's lives. And that's what we love so much about what you do. So how do you, how do you respond to that? So I think our earned income tax coalition work that we did and we have been engaged in for many years is a perfect example of how we bring together various interests around a particular cause. And so similar to the child tax credit, the earned income tax credit, which is now called the Working Families Tax Credit in Michigan, uh, was expanded from 6%, which was relative, which was very low, to 30% of the federal credit. And what that did was, again, put more money into the hands of families that were low income. And that money, we know, goes quickly, directly back into the community. So that was that was a big win for Michigan and Michigan families. But we had interests like the Michigan League advocating for this, United Ways, nonprofit organizations. But then we also had groups like the Detroit Regional Chamber of Commerce, the Small Business Association, the Michigan Chamber of Commerce. And so we coalesced recognizing that poverty is an issue in our state. This is something that is a concrete, tangible way to address it. Is it the only thing that we need to do to address poverty in Michigan? Absolutely not. But it is one of the tools that we can use to help to help alleviate it. Does it sound a little bit like how we talk about our work in food banking? A, yep. a lot like it. It doesn't solve everything. But by solving this thing, it helps people get to the next thing, right? And if you keep taking it a piece at a time, this, then this, then this, then this, and you pull all the people together who have a vested interest, who benefit when this thing is solved or changed or fixed, all of a sudden you have a lot of people that want to see something good done, and that's a beautiful thing. Well, this is a a federal, an example of a federal policy, Mm -hmm. an example of a state policy. Right. And, And so when I think about the families that food banks serve across the state, Many of them are in and out of food security. So they've got enough resources for three out of the four months, uh, weeks of the month. But that fourth month is pretty, fourth week is pretty tough. Mm-hmm. So, so maybe the, the, the federal uh, child tax credit that we will say that Senator Stabenow was a huge supporter of, mm-hmm. um, is just what that family needed or maybe it was the earned income tax credit the working families tax credit that's all they needed and then those trade-offs came off the table for them and it was replaced with the access to food or electricity or fixing the car or whatever it is that they needed it was enough and that family now is no longer in the 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 toxic stress of living a food insecure life just those little changes and you know i have a friend who says that if it costs you so little and does someone else so much good why in the world wouldn't you do it every time and these are two examples of that so let's take a quick break if we can monique stanton ceo and president at the michigan league for public policy and kunin who is the policy director for kids count at the michigan league for public policy That's Jerry Persson. I'm Dr. Phil Knight. We're all four back with you in just a moment. Contact the Food Bank Council of Michigan at fbcmich.org. Now back to more Food First Michigan with Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome back, everyone. We're here at WJR Studios in the Fisher Building, downtown Detroit. 
uh, Jerry Brisson, myself, Dr. Phil Knight, Monique Stanton, CEO and President at Michigan League for Public Policy, and Ann Kunin, the Policy Director for Kids Count. And this question's for you. Um, you you talked about the data a little bit in the in the segment we we just had, but how do you get that data? And and the, probably the better question our listeners will all want to know: How do you are you, how confident are you in the data and the and the conclusions that we can draw from it? Yeah, so I think what's important to note about the data from our book this year is that it's all mostly from 2021. Um, So there are definitely going to be some differences in data interpretation, right? We had maybe different sampling, maybe even some delayed data surveying because of uh, the pandemic disruptions. Um, We also saw, for example, like uh, school testing data was different, right? Not all students were participating in testing in 2020 and 2021. Um, But all of our data is uh, coming from really reputable sources. So we're looking at census data, we're looking at state agency data, so maybe the Department of Health and Human Services or the Department of Education, right? We are not running out there collecting our own survey data um, Mm -hmm. and trying to make sense of it. We are working with um, reputable sources that researchers all over the country are using to try and understand some of these trends. Okay. Great. And can I, can I jump in there? So sure, one please. thing that's really important about data, we talk about the census. I know that this is something that, that uh, mm. food organizations and food ser- organizations addressing food insecurity have worried about is making sure that we have a good census count. So the next census is in 2030, which is seven years away. But we're starting the planning process right now for yeah. the census. And Uh, For lots of different reasons, because of COVID, because of administration changes, there were issues in making sure that we had a solid count. And we need to do everything that we can to make sure that in 2030 that this count is as strong as possible because so much of our federal resources are allocated based on census data. So uh, WIC funding, SNAP funding, Medicaid, congressional seats, so much is... uh, related to that. And if we miss people, it's a significant problem. Uh, This past year, we or this last census, the undercount of children was the highest undercount of any population in the census's history. And so we want to make sure that our youngest people are always are always counted. Wow. Thanks. That's that's a great point. Um, I have the privilege to serve on the board of directors for the Michigan Nonprofit Association. And I know that uh, Joan Gustafson right. is right out in front of the census. And, of course, then we heard from the news some of what you just shared, Monique, that that there was a serious undercount, and that's a limiting of resources that can right. come to the state. I mean, it's just what it is, right? right? And so we want to make sure that we're as accurate and counting, particularly the hard-to-count populations, right. As, as best we can. Right. And those are often families that are living in poverty, so families that are f- struggling with food insecurity. It's families that English may not be their first language. It's families that may be, ha- be more transient or housing insecure. Right. And so these are the families that also often need the types of investments to address inequities and poverty in, in, in their life. And so we want to make, make sure that they're counted. And by the way, those were investments, Jerry. <laughs> yes, got you it. You that, right? I, uh, you know, any good plan can be destroyed in implementation right, <laughs> right? i mean it, it, it no matter how good your thinking is the census is hard to do 
mm-hmm. and it takes a lot of it takes a lot of resources and people and smart and smart people, experienced people, people that kind of get. Eh, if you don't find them here, you might find them there because people aren't you know sitting where you want them to be when it's time to count. Right, they're wherever they are. So I just want to give a huge shout out to the people involved in that work. Mm-hmm. It is really challenging work, and and we all depend on it. And I mean, if we're if we're you know, competitive. Let's be competitive about how well we can do the census, right? Let's see who can do it best, you know, <laughs> because that is something that do, if everyone is trying to do it best, we are all going to be better off knowing what we have to work with and how to best serve the community. Right. So, uh, you know, big shout out for the census. Yeah. So, Jerry, you had a question when we were off air about the kids count data. Oh, that question. That question. <laughs> Right. <laughs> so essentially, you know, you get all this information that's pulled from a lot of different sources, and now you've got to put it together and collect it and make some sense out of it. And that's what your book is, right? That's essentially all of the work that it took to synthesize and, you know, draw out what our priorities should be. So my question is, when you think about that work and the book and what came from it, what are the couple things that maybe keep you up at night? Like the, like you saw the date and went, oh, my God, what is Oh, I don't I don't like seeing this and what are some of the things that maybe made you go okay we're 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 doing better yeah i guess um the thing that kind of stands out as being maybe a an area of weakness is certainly in the education data um i mentioned that there were obviously a lot of disruptions um represented in our data from these years because of the pandemic and hybrid learning um or in some cases remote learning um But yeah, we definitely saw declines in third grade reading scores and eighth grade math scores in the number of three and four-year-olds who are enrolled in preschool. Uh, I will note, though, that we weren't doing too well even before the pandemic, right? Fewer than half of fourth graders were reading proficiently before the pandemic in Michigan. Um, And so while we certainly saw a lot of the evidence of the disruptions, we weren't necessarily performing at our best before. Um, And when you look at how Michigan compares nationally, we are in the bottom 10 states for education. Um, And we have been, yeah, seeing kind of declines in that area for some years now. So that's definitely the thing that keeps me up at night. Yeah, wow. Yeah. And right now in Michigan, there is so much emphasis placed on how do we grow our population in our state? How do we retain people in our state? And we've got to start by strengthening our education system. That again comes down to investments, but it also goes around, uh, looks at different types of supports that that kids and families need. One of the other data points in Kids Count this year was an increase in in the number of youth that are struggling with things like anxiety and depression, especially among our LGBTQ plus community and and, and, uh, youth in in that group. And so we wanna make sure that kids are getting the support that they need in school, as well as the behavioral health supports to support their overall mental health and well-being well that's a excellent point because i I kind of wear two hats here because i'm an lpc here in michigan and um obviously i work for the food bank council so there's two things here that really touch me and one is uh something we've said on the show for seven years now is that if they're not well fed they'll never be well read so, I mean, I don't know how many Head Start programs and uh, opportunities and programs and pilots that have come along. And finally, um, you know, there was a, a group of, of folks that were going to invest an enormous amount of money in Head Start here in Detroit. And I had a conversation with them and said, has anybody talked about food? 
<laughs> because mm-hmm. if they're not well fed, they'll never be well read. And yet, up until recently, we had the third grade reading law by third grade. So that's a concern for me. And then also, Monique, as you talked about the the mental health support, mm-hmm. because I would say it like like simply this: mental health is health, mm-hmm. and we have a responsibility there to come alongside and help people where they're at, not where we wish they were. Mm-hmm. Jerry? It all makes sense. I mean, I, <clears throat> I think, <clears throat> I think the, the emphasis on actually knowing and not just assuming is really helpful. Mm. You know, so when we, when we can say, dang, this education system, well, okay, <laughs> who, you know, I mean, okay. <laughs> But when you can say, let's look at where we really stand. Let's look at the things that that if we focus on these specific things, we're going to see improvements, right? And so it takes that general feeling of, you know, things are just not good to a space of, well, yeah, maybe that's true, but, but there are things we can do to move the needle in these very specific things that we know need help. And I think when it comes to policy, that's where you have to be. And that's where you started the conversation, Monique, with legislators need information to be effective and so having people focused on getting them that information not just railing about something they don't like right but actually saying like it or not these are the facts right unlike you do on this show sometimes yeah well you know well do as i say not as i do yeah let's, <laughs> let's take a quick break before he goes into a rant yeah. Stanton. Uh, Ann Kunin, thanks for being with us. We've got one more segment with you all, so everybody stay with us. We'll be right back. Food First, Michigan. Once again, here's Phil and Jerry. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for being with us. Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight here with you with Monique Stanton and Ann Kunin and policy coordinator for policy director, I should say, uh, for Kids Count. And I, I'm going to start this segment um, probably the way I should have started the entire show, and that's going to be to say thank you. You, The league stands in the gap for people who are dealing with less, less of everything, and they're dealing with more with less. Most of us are dealing with more with more. Mm-hmm. But the families we're talking about here are really dealing with more with less resources. So thank you for standing in the back gap. So what's next for Kids Count? What, where are we going? Right. We got the great data, got some good policy recommendations. Talk about the work. Right. So. Our, our advocacy process is rooted in our data, and so we work, uh, the next thing that we're starting is something related to 2025, which feels really far away, but it's the budget cycle. The budget process for planning for 2025 is happening right now, and there were some historic investments made in Michigan that we want to make sure that we continue, rooted in, again, that policy data that comes out of Kids Count. So one of the big things is this year we've invested $160 million to provide free breakfast and lunch to public school public school students in Michigan. This was transformational for kids and families. We want to make sure that this wasn't a one-year blip. We want to make sure that every year that this is done. And so we're working on that as a big advocacy pri- priority. We're starting to have some conversations rooted in that that issue of childhood poverty. Childhood poverty, we can see, is a policy choice. We shouldn't be making that policy choice where kids are struggling day to day. We know because of toxic stress, it impacts their brain development, it impacts their long-term outcomes. 
So how can we how can we address childhood poverty? So can we create a Michigan specific child tax credit that is targeted towards people with the lowest incomes in Michigan? Can we do things like expand the RX Kids program in Flint, which is giving cash to, to pregnant people mm-hmm. and, and parents with children under the age of one so they're able to make choices in their lives about how to to address the priorities that they need most? Can we overhaul and expand our child care system so kids are getting a healthy start and parents are able to work? These are big things that we know will have long-term positive impacts on families. And, and one of those things, you'll be happy to know that Dr. Mona is scheduled to be on the oh, show in the next few weeks Great. to talk about that yeah. very project it's right exciting. there. That's a, that's a immediate difference maker in the lives of families. And what we're hoping is that this is something that starts in Flint, but could be a way that we transform how we think about our social safety net in Michigan. So Michigan, we talk about TANF, that's our cash assistance program, the temporary assistance program for needy families. We only spend 6% of our TANF dollars on cash assistance, direct payments to cash. Mm. That is abysmal. Most of those other dollars are used for other things. Some of those are really positive, but other things in our budget and aren't addressing the co- the issue of poverty. So things like RX Kids can really transform how we think think about our social safety net. You know, and I would agree with you. I think TANF we have a, a pretty abysmal record in the state in regard to how we use TANF dollars. Uh, and you know, for longtime listeners to the show, none of them are shocked by what I just said. No, <laughs> because I we've done entire shows on TANF right. and how it's been how it is being spent, um, and and certainly would like to see improvement. So so Anne, what's next for you as as uh, the Kids Count Director? How 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 is this? How does everything that Monique just said play out into your daily activity? Yeah, I mean, so we share the same budget priorities, right? We are very much looking at how other states are implementing their own state child tax credit. So this year alone, 11 states have um, either expanded or created a brand new child tax credit. One of them is Minnesota has now the largest child tax credit. Um, So there is some, you know, good news there that we can see what it might look like in Michigan. Um, but then also really focusing in on child care. We know that this is a huge need for families. We know that it's affecting our entire economy when families can't access or afford care for their youngest kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're really looking at how how can we make child care universally available in Michigan. And just to be clear, <clears throat> if a family says, okay, I can go to work, and if I do, I have to find a place for my kids, a safe place for my kids to be while I'm at work, right? And then they realize that between what they make at work and what they pay in childcare, they're actually losing money. You're disincentivizing people to advance in that way. And one of the things we know about, about how people get paid is how much you've worked has a direct impact on how much you get paid. It's one of the reasons for the the separation between the pay between men and women, right? Mm-hmm. And and so and it is unjust, right? It's not right. 
But that's the truth of how things happen. So this issue of, of how much it costs to have childcare really does have some deep impacts for small business. It has some deep impacts for families being able to, to get enough income over time so that they don't need help anymore. It's not just about you know, the child care providers and what they need or, or uh, you know, about any one thing. It has so many impacts. And uh, we, in, in food security work, I would say most of us believe that child care is one of the significant contributors to food insecurity in families. Mm-hmm. So, so, Jerry, you talk about child care. It really is a two-pronged economic development issue. So you have small businesses, that's child care providers, whether they're licensed doing this work in their home or they're doing this work at a center, who are often employees that are primarily women, high percentage of, of people of color are employed by child care providers who are being paid very low wages. Yeah. So that's a, that's a concern. And our economy is dependent on the ability for families to access child care. And so you're talking about that choice that families need to make between, can I afford this to work? And can you even find a slot right now? We have a number of child care deserts in our state. We have a number of significantly long waiting lists. That's a problem. We have child care centers in Detroit and across, across Michigan that actually have physical rooms available, but they can't find the teachers because they can't afford to pay their wages appropriately. Right now, we have a concern in Michigan. Most child care providers that receive the, the child care subsidy, so these are for, for people that are making the lowest amounts of money, their rates are going down between 20 and 21%. We made a policy choice not to extend those rates that were a temporary increase during COVID. And so with that drop, that's going to have a pretty significant negative impact for child care centers. And what we've seen because of issues of concentrated poverty, centers that receive the subsidy typically have a high percentage of, of kids that are getting paid that way. So that's a really big budget reduction. When you talk about maybe 70, 80, or you know, 100% of your kids, their rate's going down by 20 to 21%. Most businesses can't afford that, in, including right. child care centers. That's awesome. I mean, mm-hmm. really important points. And it's why policy work is hard work mm-hmm. and critical work. Right. Because you have to know these things. You have to understand the impact. You've got to then be able to tell the story of what happens to our economy, what happens to communities, what happens, obviously, to the kids and families. But you're right. It is multifaceted and multi-pronged. And and it's important to deal with. Well, I could say this, Anne. Uh, something Jerry says on the show quite often is the less you know about a problem, the easier it is to solve. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but I'm thankful that you know a lot. And, um, and it helps bring these data points into policies uh, or have the opportunity to do that. So um, I understand. I'm not sure this is right. And you can probably help me know if I'm right or how wrong I am. Michigan is not the most expensive state for child care, but I understand we're somewhere in the top 10. I don't know where Michigan ranks compared to other states when it comes to child care costs, but um, it it is recommended uh, that families not be spending more than 7% of their income on okay. child care, and we know that that's just not realistic we're, for the majority right. of families and certainly not for um, single-parent families in Michigan. Uh, right, right. Well, that's a great answer. Regardless of where we are, we know it's right. it mm-hmm. costs way too much. And and if you're a, a family that is struggling or low-income or living in poverty, 
the total percentage of your annual income is higher. So if you're wealthy, you're paying less total percentage of your income than right. somebody that's at the lower lower income sure. of, of the income scale. So that's something to, th- to think about, too. Absolutely. We Excellent. see it in inflation. I mean, in so many ways, when we talk about low-income people take longer to recover from any crisis, and part of the reason is exactly this. Their money is tied up in the very necessary things that they need, and so they can't just shift Right? They can't just shift, oh, I'll be able to spend more money on this. I'll take it from over here. There's nowhere to take it from. And so right, uh, right you are, really important. So we've, we've come to the end of our time with, with Anne and Monique on this show. But um, please, please plan to come back because you guys are front and center of so much that needs to change to make life much better for families in and across Michigan. So, Ann Kunin, thank you for being with us. Thank you. It's great to join y'all. And Monique, always great to have you, Thanks. CEO and President for the Michigan League for Public Policy. We're going to give you the last word here and tell us how, tell the folks how they can find the league. Sure. So you can go to our website, www.ml pp.org. You can sign up for our newsletter. You can see a a weekly roundup of what's happening under the dome in in Lansing. You can look at any kind of local map about what's happening in your community in terms of child care and EITC, and then looking directly for the Kids Count data. It's a great resource for both data and policy recommendations. And we also talk about on our website how you can have a voice in the policy and advocacy process. MLPP.org. MLPP.org. We should say it one more time. MLPP.org. There we go. (laughs) Monique. And Ann, thanks for being with us. Jerry and I will be back to wrap up this show in just a moment. Welcome back, everyone. Final segment for today's show. Jerry, uh, Kids Count. Kids Count. You know, I have always loved that name. It's been around a long time, but it, it means two things, right? It means kids count, right? They matter. But it also is the count of kids in these different situations. So I love that the name is Kids Count. I've always thought that was a real clever and important name. And so anyway, it was great to have the experts about Kids Count on the show. They are, they are highly regarded by any organization in the state that needs information about the state's children. They are, they are reputable, credible, excellent, careful and courageous. They are that. They are the subject matter experts. And it was an honor to have Ann Kunin and Monique Stanton from the Michigan League for Public Policy with us today. But, you know, some of the things that they talked about, and I said in the monologue that it was going to be a bit wonky, and it's wonky, but it's practical too. It just makes sense. I mean, it makes moral sense. It makes, you know, development sense. It makes uh, economic sense. It just makes sense, Jerry. Yeah. And that's, you know, um, so much of what we do depends on having the right information at the right time. Now, we know that some of these federal databases have a two-year lag. And, you know, we're still trying to get better at finding information that's more current. But it is what we have. And these are people that do the best with what is there 
to to predict the trends and help right. us understand what's working, what's not working, and what we should be taking care of better. So again, for all the for all the challenges in the work, you got to have people rising as much as possible to meet that challenge. And Michigan League for Public Policy does it. Well, you say, and I said on the show, that the less you know about a problem, the easier it is to solve. But thank God there are people like Monique and Ann who are investing their life in learning so they can teach and inform the rest of us, and particularly policymakers. I mean, historic investment in this year's budget for education, but shaped a little differently this year, and I think some of that is largely attributed to the league's influence. I agree, for sure. And I think that's the role that we find ourselves in partnership with them in many, many circumstances. Well, time for a little food for thought. If I see or hear one more, the children are our future, campaigns, advertisements, slogans, or whatever, I think I just might scream. Because they're not our future. They are their future. They are the next in line to be the stewards over our planet, hopefully solve some of the problems, challenges, and injustices that we've either created or haven't fully addressed or inherited ourselves. My future is shorter than it's ever been, but theirs is long. The better question for those of us today is what will be our legacy? What will be mine and what will be yours? And part of that will be answered by how we invest in the kids today. That will determine how far they can reach tomorrow. You better believe kids count. They matter more than we can imagine. Kids count and to help ensure that they have the best chance to be great, to develop well, and take us further than we've ever gone before, we should invest in them now. At the Food Bank Council, we believe we can best help them by ensuring we put and keep food first, folks. Food first. Food First Michigan, presented by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food-secure state.